0: And welcome to another edition of the e-commerce odyssey podcast. I'm here with uh, Jay Gibb from Cloud Sponge, and we're going to talk about how to improve the performance of referral programs. So without further ado, Jay, can you explain what a referral program is in the context of an e-commerce store?
1: Yeah, sure. Most of them are, um, you know, some situation where you've got a user... Who loves you and loves your product and you're offering them some kind of reward for spreading the word you give them a code through one of the referral program platforms out there that there are dozens of and they they share the code and when somebody buys something with the code usually like the good ones will have a double-sided referral reward so the person who's actually using the, their friend's code um, is being offered a maybe a discount or something for free, right? Like some kind of encouragement to, to use the code. And then when they do that, uh, their friend, the person who sent the, the referral will then get something, right? Again, they get, get something for free, or maybe they get uh, you know a discount on their next order. So you can use it as a, as a sort of retention, repeat customer tool as well. Um, and there's, like I said, there's dozens of different ways to execute on a referral program, depending on what kind of store you are and what platform you're using, what kind of budget you've got and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's that's those are the basic things that all of those platforms all have in common. It's, a, you know, that unique code that you can circulate to, to earn those rewards.
0: OK, so what are the reasons um, why referral forms um, programs perform badly?
1: You know, I think what are the, the
0: schoolboy errors that you see?
1: Yeah, there's a few of them. I think one one of the most obvious ones, and um, the marketing team over at Friend by which is one of the one of the referral program platforms, uh, they talk about this a lot. And it's actually that uh, a lot of a lot of stores just hide the referral program, like they bury it under a menu somewhere, and they don't talk about it enough, right? They don't. They make you have to log in to use it and they don't put it on the public website they don't mention it in their receipts they don't put it in the footer and the header and all the other places on the site where it could go uh, and they just kind of have a link buried somewhere in a menu and then they wonder why it's not working right uh, and so i think one of the one of the things that i always encourage when i you know when our customers are asking me about like how do i how do, what are the what other things besides using Funds can i do to improve the performance of my word of mouth or my referral program, that's one of the first things I always look for. Right, I look for like where on this website are you actually making it clear that your customers can earn discounts and send discounts to their friends? Right, I think that's kind of that's kind of the the first most obvious one. Um, the second one is probably right around the rewards and the triggers for the rewards. Right, like. I mentioned already that a double-sided reward is pretty important. I think as many people that are interested in earning a discount, there are the same number of people probably who are more interested in sending a coupon to their friends and being a hero for their friends, like more of an altruistic uh, reason for sharing. So I think having a double-sided referral program instead of a single-sided referral program is worth trying for anybody who hasn't tried it yet right? Super, super useful thing. And, and you might be surprised by, um, by the difference and how many people use it if you're, you know, if you're offering a reward to both parties. And then, and then finally is where we come in. You know, I think, you know, even the best referral programs that are that are displayed in lots of places around a website and, uh, and have great double-sided referral rewards if they're making people type email addresses into the referral form, then they're by default not performing very well. Because you know, you, your users only have so much patience for entering in a comma-separated list of email addresses, especially if they're on a mobile device, right? They're not going to do it if they're on a mobile device. They're, not gonna, they're probably if they're on a mobile device, they probably aren't even going to type one email address, let alone a list of them, right? On their desktop, if you just give them a form field where you're asking them to input their friends' email addresses for a referral program, they might they might have one memorized. They might have the patience to type one in, but if you're trying to get them to do 10 or 20 or 50, like they're going to have to go back and forth between your website and their, their address book and copy and paste and sort of assemble a, a comma-separated list of email addresses. In that process, you're going to lose most of them, right? They're not. You're going to. You're basically distracting them. Uh, And so, what uh, what our product does, the reason why we exist, is we basically make it so that whatever your existing referral program is, you can add a little address book icon to the input field for the for the email addresses. So whatever the current field is, it's a field where you're expecting your users to type in a list of uh, comma-separated list of email addresses. With CloudSponge, you can just add a little address book icon there so they can click on it or tap on it. And then they authenticate, give you permission to read their their contacts from Google or Yahoo or Outlook.com or Office 365 or iCloud or wherever they they hold their, their contacts and then they just see a nice contact picker like a comma separated list of e- or uh, sorry a, a alphabetized list of email addresses you know if they're on a phone they'll see a little a little like alphabet in the margin that they can tap on the letters of the alphabet to jump around checkboxes beside each person so they can basically assemble a recipient list inside a nice little contact picker interface and then when they submit it the f- Field that they previously would have had to type email addresses in is just filled up with everybody they selected and then they can just submit your referral form.
0: That that makes a lot of sense. So why do the, I mean, you know, when you put it like that, it makes, you know, it it seems logical. Why don't the referral program platforms, why don't they do that themselves?
1: It's hard. It's difficult software to build and to maintain. Um, And there's, you know, I think you've probably seen it. Anybody listening has probably seen the um the authentication window with Google, yeah. Yahoo, Microsoft, right? Where you, you're you're giving this website permission to read your contacts. Um, it's a lot of extra effort to guide your customer. In, in other words, if you're a referral program platform and your customer is an e-commerce store owner, right? Mm-hmm to guide those e-commerce store owners through the process of applying for the API credentials from Google especially, but also Microsoft, Yahoo, and you know any other ones, and uh, AOL. And so they don't do that because that's operationally a lot of work. It's hard to do, you gotta make a video, you gotta like do all this stuff to get permission to have your logo on that screen, right? You're not gonna see a Cloud Sponge logo on that screen. Uh, you need to see the the logo of the of the e-commerce store, of the Shopify store, the WooCommerce mm. store, whatever. You need to see that logo there. Otherwise, you're not going to click through, right? Uh, and so, I think a lot of these referral program platforms, like, not only do they do they not want to develop the API, all the API integrations, and build their own contact picker and do all that kind of stuff, but they also don't know how or they don't have the interest in actually helping their customers go and get those credentials from all those places and bring it over so that it can be displayed in the interface, right? And that's what we're optimized for. That's what our whole company does. And so what those guys do, at least the good ones, in my opinion, they partner with us. So there's lots of platforms out there that exist that have the address book icon and all of them use a partnership with CloudSponge to deliver that.
0: Okay. So how, um, what kind of additional performance does, have you found that, that using your system gives?
1: Uh, usually about double, double, sometimes triple. And, and okay. what I mean by, what I mean, what I mean by that is if you've got an existing referral program, whatever number of actual referrals are getting sent every month, like let's say you. Sends 100 referrals every month by adding that button, you'll probably make it 200 or 300. Right. Okay. And that's, it's interesting, it's really, it's actually quite interesting math because usually what we see is only about five to 7% of people who are gonna make a referral will use the address book button, like 5%, like one out of 20, right? Like not everybody uses it. Some people just have one friend they want or that some people don't trust it. They don't wanna do it. They don't wanna share their address book, right? It's totally normal but the one out of 20 or the 5% of people that do use their address book will together combine, they'll double the total number of referrals because it's so much easier, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen that time and time again where our customers will have an existing referral program before before they onboard with us. They'll go through the onboarding and get it on there and then immediately see a double or a triple improvement to the number of referrals that are being sent.
0: Okay. So I've Good. got a question for you, just slightly off topic, but still on email. Why is it that that it, as an e-commerce store owner myself, I see a lot of the time that you know people type the wrong emails in when they're going through checkout, et cetera. Why does someone like Shopify not do kind of log in with Google or log in with, you know, Amazon or whatever <clears throat> instead of you know because that would mean that the email would there be would would you know people wouldn't enter the wrong emails. Why do they do that? Or is it because it cloaks the email address?
1: Uh. I'm not sure. I mean, it could be. I mean, I just have to guess because I'm not I don't work at those companies, of course. Right. But I think it could be that there's two things that come to mind. One is that they don't want to make a choice. Right. They don't want to alienate everybody that prefers Office 365 by putting Google on the page. Right. Yeah. Like they could be that they just don't want to. And then they don't want to have this huge list of options. That's also confusing. Right. Uh, So it could be that, uh, or it could be what I already just described. It could be that the the effort involved for, especially for a company at scale, that's got, you know, whatever millions of stores or whatever Shopify has um, to actually guide because Google won't let Shopify put that Shopify logo on those websites. It's against policies, right? Those websites need to have their own OAuth, like Google OAuth credentials, and so it's very possible that the effort involved by the Shopify customer success team or customer support team to get every single one of their stores through that application process with Google is just way too much effort, right? It could be just, it's just not worth it. Yeah.
0: So do you think, I mean, do you, do you see obviously as somebody who works with a lot of emails, do you think email you know, is still, you know, it feels a bit old fashioned, but it's still, you know, email still really important?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's the it's the you know the most important open network that humanity has created so far. I don't think it's going anywhere, right? Right. Okay. I mean, everybody's even got a, one.
0: What do you see? The kind of t- I mean, obviously I use it, but I'm a you know pushing fifty year old man. <laughs> I, I use email all the time. Do you think that uh, the you know the millennials and the Gen Zs are they going to continue using email in the same way that that people like me use email, or is it going to move on to is it all going to move on to onto WhatsApp or something similar?
1: Uh, I think it's, I mean, I think we're starting and this is all just opinion, of course, so I, I don't, I'm not, I don't study this stuff professionally or anything, but what I see is that the communication channels are fracturing based on use case. Right. I think that when people communicate with businesses, they're mostly using email for that. When they're communicating with their friends, they're using messaging platforms for that. Right. Um, And I think, I don't think email is going anywhere. I mean, I think it's a, it's a super rich media format and it's super mature and it's, you know, it's way stronger when it comes to uh, like spam identification and, um, you know, sort of longevity, like emails stay in your inbox for a long, forever, right? Whereas, you know, text messages and things like that are some, some somewhat um, ephemeral, right? Yeah. So I think... uh, I think they're every both both messaging like whether whether you're referring to text messaging or sort of closed platform messaging you know like WhatsApp and Signal and Telegram and stuff like that um, you know those have their place and email has its place I don't I don't think they're necessarily at odds with each other I think they can all coexist and they've all got their sort of use cases that they make sense for.
0: What are the what are the um, GDPR implications? Um, GDPR being the—you probably know better than me—the the the, the rules—the the rules governing the use of the privacy of emails in the EU. Um, when you know it's someone giving a third party someone else's email, how does that how does that work?
1: Yeah, so there's a there's 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 controversy there, right? There's definitely a debate with regard to how GDPR should impact a company's referral strategy. On, on the extreme conservative end of the spectrum, there are people just that think that GDPR completely obliterated any possibility of having a referral program in, in Europe or with European customers, right? And that's like a, a super super conservative angle to it where they just believe that under no circumstances should you ever allow a person to type in their friend's email address into your website period. Mm -hmm. On the other end of the spectrum is the people that don't care, right? I'm personally somewhere in the middle, like, you know, and and what I see our, our customers, our European customers or customers that have European audiences doing is they basically just, they're, they're behaving like a email provider in these situations. So let me explain what I mean. If if you're making a if if the if the email address that you're being given by a person that's not their own so they're not the data subject. The data subject is the person who controls the email address. So let's say I give your email address to an e-commerce store because yeah. I want to send you a referral. E-commerce store software should do what I'm asking it to do. I'm asking you to send my friend Trevor an email with my referral code in it. Yeah. Right? That's, and that's all. <laughs> What the, thing, the place where people get confused, I think, or where they cross the line is they, they remind Trevor about this email, right? In other words, in order to send a reminder, what that implies is that you've got some sort of profile for Trevor in your database and you're sending reminders and you've kind of recorded this other person's email address in your system, yeah. which you, you shouldn't do. Like that's against GDPR. And it's frankly against just like the golden rule. Right, You just shouldn't do it. Do what I asked you to do. Take Trevor's email address and send him the email that I asked you to send him, like a transactional email, and then obliterate all memory of Trevor. Don't make him a ghost profile. Don't Would anyone in- everyone
0: ever want to forget me? But, so, we, so, so with your system right so you know imagine i've got a referral scheme if i go in and I, I log in using my email address would that be as if the email is coming from me because i've logged in you know I've authenticated my my google account or would it come from would it be effectively coming from my email address or would it be coming from the email from the the e-comm store
1: both, either, whichever one you want, right? We can do whatever. Um, we don't send the emails ourselves. We're just the address book interface. And so mm-hmm. after the, remember the use case that I described where somebody selects their contacts from the contact picker and then they submit it. After they submit it, we have a plethora of options, all kinds of options, right? Anything you want. You can have that go directly into a form field, on your website, you can have that launch a mail to link or like launch, like an email client so that your email, your customer sends the email themselves. You can have it trigger, a webhook or a zap and Zapier, all kinds of different things can happen depending on the way that you want it configured and your own sort of GDPR sensitivity, for example, or mm-hmm. what kind of stack you have for the way that you send your emails. Uh, so, there's a lot of different ways to do it, um, and we don't really prescribe one of them. It's our job to make them all available and to support our customers for whichever one they want to use. Uh, but we, we, don't, we don't prescribe one specific way of sending those emails since we're not the ones that are actually sending
0: them. Okay, so your kind of approach to, to doing forms, are there other e-commerce use cases where this comes in handy?
1: Yeah, we've seen them. So the referral program field that I described is is kind of the most popular one, right? Um, Also, most e-commerce stores have that useless envelope icon on the product page. You've seen that? Well, email me. Yeah, it's like, you know, you see you've got a whole bunch of products and every single product page has a little like panel for like tweet this and Facebook. I'm not sure anyone
0: uses, but yeah.
1: <laughs> nobody, nobody uses it, right? So one of the places that, that we can help is basically making it so that that envelope icon performs better. So when somebody yeah. clicks, rather than just like kicking them out to a mail to link, uh, we can make it launch the contact picker and give them a better experience before the mail to link. Uh, so we've got some integration techniques for that. Um, another one is uh, the wish lists. Yeah. So a lot of times, e-commerce stores will have a way for from one of their customers to sort of assemble a shopping cart, like a wish list shopping cart of things they want, and then send that, share the wish list with their friends and family, so that you know they can get what they want for Christmas or whatever. And so that. That sharing interface uh, often will have the contact picker, uh, which is very similar to a gift registry. The difference between a wish list and a gift registry, in my mind, is that a gift registry usually has a lot more recipients. Like a wish list, you might just send to your mom or your wife or whatever. But a gift registry, like you're going to want to assemble a list of, you know, 100 people for your party or for your wedding or whatever, right? Uh, and so in those cases, an address book becomes exponentially more useful, right? So there's there's those four places. Um, I guess the last one is probably the same thing as a referral program, but a one-sided referral program, which would be like a, like a coupon, right? Where a lot of, we'll see a lot of, like in particular WooCommerce um, store owners have a, there's a plugin for WooCommerce that does coupons Mm-hmm. It allows, it has a sharing interface to send coupons to people in your address book or your friends. Uh, and so that's another, another place that I think is worth, is worth exploring for anybody who, who doesn't already have something like that. Okay.
0: This has been very interesting. It's one of those things I'd never really thought about, and now I can see the use of it. It is, you oh, know, dear. one of those, one of those little, little things that, that, you know, gosh, yeah, that does make sense. I get that now. So yeah, like, I'm,
1: it's, I'm doing my job.
0: You're doing your job. Right. Okay. <laughs> one final question um have you got any tips for us what's inspired you recently good books films holidays
1: man so you said that you're pushing 50 which is true for me as well i'm past the hump there and two weeks three weeks ago like deep into my 40s i took the time for the uh, you're in the uk right yeah you guys have the equivalent of like the Boy Scouts or the Cub Scouts over there? No, I'm
0: a scout leader, indeed. Okay.
1: Yeah, so so am I. Uh, for uh, My kids are small, so I'm a scout leader for the elementary school age. Yes. And so a few weeks ago, I actually, for the first time in my life, studied tying knots, like learned some really useful knots that I now, and now I believe that every adult should do that. Like it didn't take me that. It took me two or three hours to learn some knots that are now like i'm like i feel so much more useful
0: can you tie a to... one-handed can you tie a one-handed bowline
1: i sure can yeah oh excellent I mean, that's a
0: good that's a good yeah that's, I could, yeah. that's my party trick
1: <laughs> yeah i did a bow uh, the bowline and the trucker's hitch and the top I line hitch and handcuff, the hitch. Can you do a
0: handcuff hitch
1: i don't know that one maybe oh, it's very easy go and look it up yeah.
0: That's,
1: that's So I, I just love that. I mean, I, I know it seems so strange, but it was not only that, but we went on a camp out. And I because the, the reason why I was studying it was because I volunteered to to do a little clinic for the kids. Right. And there was a shocking number of adults like the parents of the kids who were there that were like super into it, like loved it and wanted to come and hang out and say, hey, like, help me with that bowline or whatever. Or one guy was like super fascinated by the trucker's hitch and really wanted me to like you know show him how to how to do a trucker's hitch because he couldn't believe that it was possible right Uh, so for whatever it's worth that's 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 what's I like that I like that
0: (laughs) Jay it's been great talking to you and thanks thanks very much for sharing our expertise expertise
1: Yeah thanks for having me it's been a good chat
0: Okay bye bye.